Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Welcome. Great to be with you today and to celebrate our nation's independence. Uh, good news. Uh, yesterday in the Liberty Classic Delray Beach Sailing Race, we came in ninth. So praise God for that. We didn't lose. We actually beat some people. And isn't that what life's all about? It's, it's not losing. I think that's, that's really what we want to do. But uh, seriously, had a great time and uh, uh, grateful for our city as well and people like Dot Bast who uh, helps our city function. And uh, it's great to be in the house of the Lord on Independence Day. So important for us to remember that 245 years ago today, our nation was born. There was a moment of truth when men gathered together and decided to declare independence. Powerful, dangerous, exciting. But listen to the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, just the first lines. It says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our nation founded on rights that were believed to be bestowed upon us by our Creator. And that all men are created equal. These are biblical principles. As I said earlier, we are not a Christian nation in the sense that we are not ruled by God directly. Rather, we're ruled by a republic democracy. But our nation and its founding and its DNA was founded on biblical principles. You may not know this, but the last lines of the Declaration of Independence read like this. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Wow. I mean, this is something that's the moment of truth. Are we really going to do this? And if we're going to do this, we're going to have to stand in unity. We're, we're going to have to get out there and risk our very lives, our fortunes, and our honor, our legacy. That's what the Declaration was all about. See, we have in our nation a DNA, a founding sense of biblical principles. And they're there. And if we're going to be a nation of biblical principles, we're going to have to be reminded of that. And that's one of the reasons the church is so important today. See, as a nation, we have to continually be reminded of who we are. A nation is not just founding documents, territory, military, even a government. A nation is people. It's families. It's churches. It's education. It's business. It's commerce. It's ideals. And a nation has to function. It has to be developed. It had to be fought for. And today it needs to be remembered in the glory that we've had as a nation you know, and the church is very similar to that. Just because we have founding documents, just because we have a statement of faith, just because we have a building and a steeple doesn't make us the church, does it? 
I remember as a kid, remember this? Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, where's all the people? Anybody remember that? Date yourself. Praise God. All right, thank you. I thought as a kid, I didn't really understand that. I thought that when you went to church and smelled that church smell, do you all remember the church smell when you were a kid? I don't know whether it was varnish or some kind of a cleaning solution that all churches use, but you walked and you go, must be in church. Whatever that was, I still remember that, must be in church. I thought it was the building until my parents told me, no, the church is the people. The church is the people of God. And the church has to develop and remember who it is as well. It has to, re- has to remember that it is the people of God. It is Jesus with skin on, the very body of Christ, carrying out his amazing and holy mission in these days. So today, we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 5 through chapter 8, verse 10, and we're considering this idea of what the church is and the fact that we have to decide, are we going to be the body of Christ? Are we going to be the people? It's a moment of truth. The close of our service will be sharing the Lord's Supper for those of you who say, yeah, I'm in. I I am a part of this. I am a part of the body. I'm committed to it. So look with me at Nehemiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says this, Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of genealogy of those who came up at first, and I found written in it, and then the next uh, 70 or so verses give the names of all the people and families that first came up out of Persia, to rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. And it's a lot of names that are hard to pronounce, so we're not going to read them all right now, but you can feel free to do that later. Um, But what Nehemiah is doing, first I love the fact he starts out, God put it in my heart. God put it in my heart. What does God put in your heart? I love that Nehemiah is responsive to what God has said. He's listening to what God may have for him, what assignment God may have for him to do. He says, God put it in my heart. And what I wanted to do was assemble all the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And here's what he's saying. I wanted to remind them of where they came from. I wanted them to remember that they came from this original group of people that actually came up from Persia some 90 years ago. So likely none of them are living at this time. Maybe a few. 94, 95 years ago, depending on which historian you believe. So they, they, he had to remind them, this is who you are. God brought you back out of Persia to bring you to this place to reestablish the people of God in the place of God in Jerusalem. I wanted, he wanted to remind them of that. And what he's about to do is he said, this is, these are the people that need to move into the city. You see, the people had come back. They had rebuilt the temple. They had reestablished worship in the temple. They rebuilt the walls, they established the gates, they established a protocol for interacting with the culture outside the gates and within the gates. But the nation didn't exist because most of the people still lived outside the walls. They still lived around the city, near the city, but not within the city. And the people of God, to be the people of God, takes people. And Nehemiah is saying, listen, I want you to now take your place as the people of God. 
You know, often today we see people who are attached to the church in some way. They know the church, and you may have a history to be a part of a church, but are you actually yourself a part of the church, or are you really living outside of the city? See, in these days of post-COVID, especially, I think it's some people are saying, I want to come back, but I don't know if I really want to get involved. Some people are coming back and saying, I really want to get involved. And it's been amazing this week to see the people uh, participate in VBS. We had this amazing team of people saying, I, I want to come and help. And we're seeing that throughout our church. We're seeing people take places on teams on Sunday morning. And our desire is that everyone have a place on Sunday morning to rotate through to, to be a part of this actual body. But the temptation is, I only want the minimum amount of Jesus that it takes to be a part of the people of God. I just want the minimum amount. Let me just tell you, if that's you, if you just want the minimum amount of Jesus, I don't think you know Jesus very well. You see, if you really love Jesus, you would want all of him that you could possibly have. Some people might say to me, can you imagine someone saying, you know what, I, I really am a believer in single-origin coffee. And I just love, like Sarah, I just love single origin coffee and it's, it's, it's the best part of my day and I, I want it to be done with a pour over as Greg does very well and uh, I want it to be done special. I just love that kind of coffee and, and I just love it. Can you imagine someone saying that and then being handed a cup of single origin coffee out of a pour over and just saying, oh, I just want to smell it and then putting it back. Or I just want to taste a little... No, that's not what you would do. You would say, well, you don't really appreciate single origin coffee. Just break out the Folgers, right? Why waste it on you? Can you imagine someone saying that about Jesus? I really love Jesus, but I I just want a little bit. I don't want to move into the city and take my place. Or imagine someone saying, you know, I love the artist Vincent Van Gogh. He's amazing. And and then you hear that the, the, the display is coming to Miami, I think later this summer. And someone says, hey, I got tickets. Let's go see Van Gogh. And you're like, you know... I just want to get inside the door and just peek at one of his paintings. You don't really love Vincent van Gogh then, do you? Nehemiah is calling the people to come in and be a part of the city. Don't just live on the outside. Come in and take your place as one of the people of God. This is your moment of truth. When we take the Lord's Supper in just a little bit, it's a moment to say, I am yours, Jesus. I want all of you that I can get. Matter of fact, I'm going to drink in this covenant. I want, to, I want to take this into my life. I don't want to just live a little bit. You see, here's what happens. When we say to Jesus, I want to live outside the city, we're saying, I, I want to pick and choose what I believe about your teaching. I only want to live out part of it. I disregard some parts of it. If that's where you are. You're missing Jesus. You're missing what he could be in your life. And those around you are missing Jesus as well. Because he would like to display himself through you. But you can't just have a little bit. You've got to say, I want it all. So that's what Nehemiah is doing. He's challenging, listen, these are the people that came up. It's time for you to take your place in the city. And the people say, all right, we're in. We're in. In verse 1 of, of chapter 8, it says, All the people gathered as one man into the square, before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. He says, listen, 
they say he brings them together. They all come together as one man. Yet when we have the same purpose, we become unified. It's like two mothers meeting in a park for the first time who have infants for the first time. They have the same purpose. They can get excited. They don't even know each other, but their same purpose is to figure out this whole infancy thing, right? That's why we as a church have a very simple mission statement. Make Jesus known. It unifies us. Some people may say, you know what, I, I want the church to be something that I like. Well, I hope it is, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to make Jesus known. I want the church to be a place where I can make friends. Well, I hope you do, but that's not the purpose. That's a side benefit. The, the goal is to make Jesus known. That's what unites us. That's what we gather around. So the people are unified. They come together as one man. And then they do something only God could do. They told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law and to read it to them to bring what God had given them in Scripture and to read it to them. Do you know if you love Jesus, if you're called into his mission, you want to know how to be that. You want to know you have a thirst for his word. You desire to know his word. It's kind of like when I made the football team as a freshman in high school. I said, you know what? I'm on the team now. Now I've got to learn the playbook, Right? The Bible is much more than a playbook, but it's not less, right? It's a sense of, I need to know how to live, and I want to receive all that God has for me. I, I want to be the, one of the people of God. When the people decided they were going to accept God's call to be the people, they became one, and they had a heart for His Word. Let me ask you, do you have a heart for God's Word? Do you have a heart to read God's Word? You have a desire to hear God's word. And this is something that grows as you grow in Christ. But if you don't have a desire for God's word, there's something wrong. Honestly. Maybe there's something you already know it's in there that you don't like. I want to urge you, let that go. Repent of any judgment you have against God and say, oh God, I want to receive all of your word. I want this to be who I am. I want to know the joy of your word. I want to know the joy of being rightly related to you. When we, agree to be, when we agree to be God's people, we have a desire to know him, to know him through his word. And that's what was happening in Nehemiah chapter 8. And incidentally, only God can do this. If you have a desire for God's word, that's because God gave that to you. You didn't just dream it up, hey, I think I'm really interested in God's word. No, it's because God gave you a desire for his word. The Bible says, no one seeks after me. No, not one. Romans quoting, quoting Psalms. No one seeks after it. It's only the desire that comes from in my heart is only there because God gave it to me. So if you have a desire for God's word, rejoice. Because that's God's activity in you. Pretty exciting. So Ezra does. He reads the law. Ezra chapter 8, verse 2 says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. All the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Did you love that? It's unity. Verse 4. 
And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattahiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. On his right hand, in Padiah, Mishael, Melkaha, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalem on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book of the, in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. I love this scene. Everyone gathered. Everyone standing. And they're standing there for six hours. So today, this service is not just going to be an hour, but we're going to stay for five more hours. I think that would be amazing, don't you? People are thinking, I'm getting hungry right now. People had such a thirst for God's word, though they wanted to hear it. Uh, they probably really didn't have access like you have to it every, every day of the week. But they were gathered saying, please, let us hear God's word. And they stood as one in unity for six hours. How amazing was that? It's also very interesting that it wasn't just the men, it wasn't just the women, but rather it was the men, the women, and all the children who were old enough to understand. This is much different than temple worship would have been. You see families standing together. You see women being able to, taught, be able to be taught the Word of God. This is very much looking forward to, to the worship that we do today. Together, hearing God's Word, taking in the teaching of God. And there's 13 people on stage with Ezra. They probably traded off to be able to read God's Word and to explain God's Word. An amazing, amazing scene. In verse 6, the Bible says this, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. So not only did God's word get proclaimed in this large group, but these other guys went around and explained to people what it, was, what it meant, made application of it, given the sense of what it means. So you had really what we do normally in our weekly worship in small groups, life groups, is that there was a sense of proclamation in public, and then there was some smaller groups that happened. That's why life groups are so important. To be able to come together, to understand what God is saying, to ask the question, to have it applied to your life. And that's what's happening among these people. And look at their response. When you hear God's word, do you go, that's amazing, I love that? They're shouting out, amen, amen, which means, yes, truly, that's right. That's incredible. I agree. They're saying, to God, pour your word into our lives. We're not going to block it in any way. We're going to receive your word. And the people are responding, responding big time. And they're also worshiping. They're raising their hands. God, you are amazing. What you said is incredible. And they're also bowing down in repentance. God, we change us. Adjust us to be like you rather than us adjust you to be like us. God, make us like you. 
And we'll see in a minute they're, they're weeping. They're receiving God's word. Greatest revival probably ever recorded in Scripture. The people are responding to God. We've been far from you. We've been outside the city. We do have a heritage, but God, we want to come back and be your people. It's a powerful, powerful moment. In verse 9, as they complete the six hours, I love how Nehemiah tells them what to do next. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. He's saying, listen, it's appropriate for you to respond in in weeping and repentance and worship. What you've done is great, but you shouldn't go around as sad. There's a joy that needs to come. And verse 10 says this, And he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing to eat, nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Repentance and worship is so powerful. Because it brings ultimately, after repentance, this incredible joy. I've been forgiven. My Lord has poured His Word into my life. And whatever's come before is now gone because I've repented of my sin. And and as 1 John 1, 9 says, if we repent, He is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sin. After repentance comes joy. Let me say this. There is nothing more joyful or happier than being right with God. Nothing the world has, no feeling, no event, no experience, is anything like being right with the Lord. And you're just one repentant prayer away from that. And that brings this incredible joy, and with that joy brings strength. When your joy is in the Lord, you're not nearly as vulnerable to all the other things of the world. You find your strength in Him rather than other things. I'm going to count on you, Lord, to take care of me. I'm going to count on you, Lord, to give me a great life. You are the happiest place on earth. Not Disney is not even close. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let me ask you today, this is your moment of truth. Are you all in? Are you ready to take your place in the body? Many of you have recently. Praise the Lord for that. Some of you may not have. As we prepare to take this Lord's Supper, to take these elements, to say to Jesus, I'm all yours. I want to be a part of the body. I want to be a part of life. God, I I want to participate. I don't just want to live outside the city and be close. I want to be a part. If that's where you are, you need to receive these elements. But if it's not and you're not really sure, just hold off. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've been baptized, you're a follower of Jesus and you're saying, I want to be, continue to be a part of the body, I want to participate, I invite you to join us. But if you're not sure, after the service, I'm going to be right down front. After it's over, if the last song is over, we pray. I'd love to talk with you. Just to encourage you, you can know the joy of the Lord. You can be in the happiest place on earth.
Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.